Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. today. Also, hello to those who are watching and listening online. So glad that you're joining us as well. If you will, please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We will end up there in just a bit. I am a firm believer in celebrating one holiday at a time. We had Halloween and then Thanksgiving Today is Stretchy Pants Sunday. And before we get to Christmas, we have one other holiday we must observe. It happens on December 23rd. Its roots can be traced back to 1966. It was popularized by George Costanza's dad in an episode of Seinfeld. Yes, I'm talking about Festivus. For the rest of us, some of you celebrate it as well. There are several traditions associated with Festivus that give it its special meaning. The celebratory meal, which could be turkey or ham, but also meatloaf, but absolutely must include a Pepperidge Farm cake decorated with M&Ms. Another tradition happens after the meal is the feats of strength. And then a third important tradition that happens during the meal is the airing of grievances. And this is where we go around the table and every person has the opportunity to share how all the other people sitting at the table have disappointed them over the past year. It's a lot of fun. Some of you are thinking, it sounds like every one of my family gatherings already. I didn't know this was a holiday. As absurd as it might initially sound, The airing of grievances is a common practice throughout the scriptures. The key difference being that we direct our grievances to God, not to one another. And there's a question that sums up the airing of grievances. It's found in the early verses of Psalm 13. Pick it up in verse 1. How long, Lord, Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long 
must I wrestle with my thoughts, day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph? One of the most common grievances aired in Scripture is this question, how long, O Lord? If you're familiar with the Psalms, you know it shows up repeatedly in the lament or complaint Psalms, but it hangs over the entire story of Scripture. It cuts through Scripture like a river cuts through a canyon. It's the question the people of God ask repeatedly when they're hurting, when they're suffering, when they're in trouble, when they need God to move. It's the question the people of God ask when they're waiting on God to come and rescue, to come and save, to come and heal, waiting on God to keep a promise. How long, O Lord, is the cry of Abraham and Sarah as they wait for the promised child? How long, O Lord, is the cry of the Israelites in Egypt as their backs break under Pharaoh's yoke? How long, O Lord, is Hannah's cry in 1 Samuel 1? She's brokenhearted in the tabernacle because she is childless while her husband's other wife is more fertile than an Amazon rainforest. How long, O Lord, is the cry of Israel in exile? They see idol worshipers occupying their land. Their Lord is called Caesar. Their king is called Herod rather than Messiah. And how long, O Lord, is the cry of a righteous but disgraced couple who have all but given up on ever having a child of their own as they get well along in their years? We read their story in Luke chapter 1. Verse 5, it says, in the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. And both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Luke emphasizes that Zechariah and Elizabeth are righteous, blameless in their keeping of the law before the Lord. That is to say, they read their Bibles and did what it said as well as anyone could. They were righteous and blameless, but they were also childless. And this introduces some tension into the story because back in those days, barrenness was interpreted as a sign of God's displeasure. It was punishment from the Lord for doing something wrong, for breaking some kind of law of the Lord. And while Luke Make sure we know they were righteous and blameless. The public perception was that they were being punished. They had displeased the Lord in some way. And this would have been particularly difficult for Elizabeth. 
And as the years roll on and as they get older, perhaps too old, all they can do is air their grievances. How long, O Lord? How righteous do we have to be? How blameless do we have to be? How much shame and disgrace must we endure? How long must we wait? And this is the question at the heart of the Advent season. How long must we wait? Maybe it's the question you've come asking today. How long, Lord? How long must I be alone? How long until I find relief from this pain? How long must I wait for a new opportunity? And while we ask these kind of questions out of our frustration, out of our pain, maybe even out of our despair, we also ask them as people of faith who have read our Bibles and believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead. So when we ask how long, we ask this question rooted in hope. Because we're asking it of a God who has promised to come to our aid, to move to our defense, to provide for us what we need in our time of trouble. And the assumption behind the question, how long, is that God is going to do something about this. God is going to move. We just want to know, how much longer do we have to wait? Throughout the scriptures, God responds to the question, how long? By taking action at just the right moment, but much to the frustration of those who are asking the question, it's never a second or a minute or a day or a month or a year or a decade sooner. In the examples I gave earlier, God's response to the question, how long, comes in the form of a baby. It's a baby named Isaac who's born to Abraham and Sarah. God's promise and plan to bless the world through Abraham's family moves forward. A baby named Moses is born in Egypt. It will be 80 more years after his birth, but he will eventually lead God's people out of slavery and oppression. A baby named Samuel is born to brokenhearted Hannah, and he will grow up to be a mighty prophet, the maker and breaker of kings. And a baby named Jesus will be God's answer to Israel in exile, groaning, O come, O come, Emmanuel. But we're not ready for the Christmas story just yet. What about Zechariah and Elizabeth? How does God answer their prayer? Let's finish their story. Verse 8 says, Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of the incense all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. He goes into the temple to burn the incense and there's a crowd of people praying outside. What are they praying? 
how long, O Lord? How long until you move? How long until you act? How long until you save? Then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Later learned this angel is Gabriel. It says, your prayer, your prayer, Zechariah, has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Gabriel goes on to tell Zechariah that this answer to his and Elizabeth's prayer is also an answer to the prayer of those who are praying outside the temple because the time has come for God to move. God is getting ready to act. Salvation is coming. And their son, John, is going to play a special role in the process. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And if you keep reading the story, you'll see that Zechariah responds to this good news from Gabriel with doubt. Wondering, how can this possibly be? I mean, you know, we're, we're getting old. And the question offends Gabriel. Zechariah, I thought you were righteous and blameless. I thought you had read your Bible. Don't you know what God can do? And Zechariah is punished then by the angel who takes away his voice until the baby is born. But notice, Zechariah's doubt does not keep God from moving. When the time comes for God to move, when it is God's time, our faithlessness will not, cannot negate God's faithfulness. God is faithful even when we are faithless. Then in verse 23, we read that when Zechariah's time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. And the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. I love her response. She doesn't say God is doing something great for Israel. Doesn't say God is getting ready to change the world. She says the Lord has done this for me. And I don't read this as being selfish. I see it as a window into her personal pain, just how much she suffered. The beauty of the gospel in this story is that God's personal blessing of her and God's blessing of Israel and ultimately God's blessing of the entire world are one and the same. When God moves, when God saves, when God rescues, God does it one baby, one mother, one father, one couple, one family at a time. 
and their personal blessing is a blessing for the world. Many people will rejoice at the birth of your son. I know the holidays are hard for many. Too many empty chairs around the family table. Too many accumulated disappointments when Christmas doesn't deliver what the holly jolly songs say it will. Too many broken relationships and hurt feelings to be filled with joy. Rather than ignore the darkness, rather than fake joy, rather than pretend everything is great when it's really not, I invite you today to lean into your disappointment, to give voice to your pain, Embrace the gift of Advent and join the chorus of voices in Scripture who cry out to the Lord, How long? How long must we wait? How long must this go on? And we can ask this question on our own behalf, but we can also ask it on behalf of others. How long, O oh Lord? Will the Ukrainian people suffer because of a foolish and arrogant tyrant? How long, O oh Lord, will there be poverty and famine in a world of plenty? How long, O oh Lord, will our society be divided along every possible line? And of course, we bring it to a personal level as well. And perhaps today you're asking the question, how long, O oh Lord, until I see the loved ones I've buried? How long will I bear the burden of my latest failure? How long, O oh Lord, until I can say, the Lord has done this for me? The testimony of Scripture is that when we are at the point where we think we can't hang on any longer, when we're ready to give up, or maybe we've already given up, when we begin to think that the answer to the question, how long is forever, that's when the Lord, in the Lord's perfect time, moves. Zechariah and Elizabeth's story reminds me of a scene from Castaway, a great rewatchable movie. It's that scene after Tom Hanks' character has fully acclimated to life on the island. He's learned to make do with his limited resources. He's given up all hope of ever being rescued or escaping the island. He's tried to kill himself and failed. He's all out of options. His life has come to a dead end. There is no hope for him. And then one day, a surprise washes up on the beach. It's a piece of a porta potty. 
It's large, it's flat, it's sturdy, and will function as the sail he needs for his raft that will propel him over the barrier waves that have kept him trapped on the island. It's salvation by porta potty. He thought he lived in a closed system. But he was wrong because each new day gave the ocean currents the opportunity to bring something useful to shore. And we sometimes find ourselves trapped or stranded on an island of hopelessness. We give up on the life we once dreamt of living. No matter what we tried, no matter what opportunities we pursued, we've come to a dead end. No fresh options on the horizon. We make peace with our predicament. We assume this is as good as it's going to get, even though it's not very good. We make room for disappointment at our table as a permanent guest. But we don't live in a closed system either. And that's why one day out of the blue, get a phone call from across the country or an email from a stranger or you have a chance encounter in a coffee shop and suddenly hope is resurrected. You are no longer stranded on the island. This is the wonder of life with God. This is the wonder of life with God because you never know what's going to wash ashore and you never know when it's going to show up. So on this first Sunday of Advent, may we all be honest enough to ask the question, how long, Lord? May we also anticipate the day when the answer from the Lord is no longer. And may we wake up every day with hope that what we need most, that what we miss the most, that what we are longing for is coming. Salvation is coming. Jesus is coming. This is the message of Advent. Would you stand, please, and read this benediction with me from Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations 3, verse 22 through 24. Let's read together. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And the people of God said, amen. I want you to go in peace, but before you go in peace, help us stack the chairs against the wall, then go in peace. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus because we honestly believe following him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.